Hello and welcome to the No Breaking Podcast. This is actually take two because of my extreme unprofessionalism here at uh, Superformance and Hillbank Automotive with the CEO, Lance Stander. Lance, thank you so much for being with me today, even though you are under the weather. Yeah, no, I've got a little bit of a throat thing going on at the moment, so it'll probably drive us nuts, but we'll get through it. We'll I, do the best we can. I just think it makes you sound much more manly. That's what I'll say <laughs> about that. So, Lance, last yeah. time we spoke, it was about two years ago at SEMA in a Winnebago. Yeah. Um, so, tell me, what's happened in those last two years? Well, actually, a lot has happened. Uh, one of the biggest things, of course, is Superformance and, 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 and now Shelby Legendary Cars that handles all the Shelby vehicles. Um, we were appointed by Shelby to, to, to do all the Shelby vehicles, all the CSX, the, the cars of the 60s. Uh, Shelby American still does all the modern cars, the Mustangs and stuff. But Superformance, under the, using the company name Shelby Legendary Cars, uh, controls all the dealers for the Shelby vehicles, the Cobras, GT40s, Daytons. And we moved to our new location in, in Irvine. We're only a mile away from the old one. Okay. We were there 12 years, and now we uh one Watney. And you can hear the Cobra coming in in the background. It sounds, sure. I was going to say, yeah. what was that coming That was through? actually a Bondurant 289 FIA coming in. A uh, very, very cool project, and I'll tell you a little more about that later. Um, so, yeah, we on we won Watney on the corner of Watney and McLaren. So we have a really cool address. You certainly do. Yes, yes. And um, and also looking forward to celebrating on the 13th of October our open house, that everybody is welcome, uh, which probably this podcast will come out after that. But anyhow, on the 13th of October, we have our open house at one Watney in Irvine. Okay, and so what's going to happen at the open house then? What's the what's the people that with this? I could try and rush this now since you put me under pressure to get this out sooner. So I'm going to see what I can do. Well, actually, the twelfth is the press day, and okay. we've invited the press. Um, unfortunately, Bob Bondurant was supposed to be here. He's he's having a procedure, and unfortunately, cannot make that, and might not even make SEMA. Okay. Um, we're not sure about all that yet. Uh, we, we're just praying for him and, and wishing the best for his health. Um, just an amazing, remarkable man and our world champion. So we, we, we really want to hold on to him for many, many more years. Um, uh, so, yeah, the 12th will be a, pr- a press day. And then Saturday we have a, a live band and we have prizes. And we're expecting more than 1,000 cars. It's going to be a big event. The city will be closing the streets. Around. I was going to say, we yeah. could have fit 1,000 cars in your parking lot. Yeah, it's going to be yeah. a bit of a tight squeeze there. <clears throat> the city will be closing the, the streets for us. And uh, we really appreciate that. Irvine has been very, very good to Superformance and Hillbank over the years. And we've loved being in this neighborhood. Sure. And then so – with that being the first one, what happens after that? Obviously, that's a two-week turnaround before SEMA then as well. Yeah, and we, we've got a lot going on at the moment. We've got cars at, at many different builders being completed um, for SEMA. Uh, V's Performance, for instance, is finishing off the very special future 40s that they've told me not to talk about. Okay, we well, can't talk about go. that. So you, don't talk you, about you, it, Lance. Just, just remember that. Future 40, look out for that. That's something really, really exceptional coming from us. Um, and then um, we, we, we also got a couple other cars being completed, Coyote uh, engined um, Mark Threes, and we got a special supercharged car being done um, also. The drift cars will be there in full force. The super performance drift cars are 
got a new look this year and a pretty exciting look at that. So look out for them. They will, will we'll even have, the one will be a roughly around 1,500 horsepower. So Oh, so you're just going a, like low powered this year. Little low powered, yeah. 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 The, the, we, we've got a, a good selection of stuff coming for SEMA. We'll have all our other cars out there too. Uh, we'll have a very special Corvette Grand Sport that's going to be in the Lingerfelder display. Um, you will be able to see our future 40 um, between some of Ford's displays and Magnaflow will have one in their display. Oh, that's so good that's then. something something cool to look out for. Um, <clears throat> yeah, SEMA has, has we we'll also have our fiftieth anniversary GT forty. Okay. Um, uh, we've we've been licensed naturally by GT forty, so we're a manufacturer for GT forty, and we built approximately three hundred and forty GT forties now. And Ford originally built a little over eighty of them. Um, so we commemorate the fiftieth year of. Ford winning Le Mans in 68 and 69 with that very special GT40 Heritage Golf Edition, um, and that was 1075. So we, are, we have brought out a tool room copy of 1075. It's absolutely beautiful. It has all the nuances that the original GT40 has. We've copied it as close as you possibly can, and that car, that car, uh, version of it will be on display at SEMA. Um, the actual launch of the car will be at um, Barrett-Jackson in Scottsdale. Okay, and that's one of the auctions? Yeah, that's the that? big one. Barrett-Jackson is an event we've done for the past 18 years. Uh, also, <clears throat> great people to work with. Uh, Craig has always supported us and, and, and Steve Davis. Um, you know, we couldn't be happier. And we, my guys are all at Barrett-Jackson right now. Uh, in in Vegas with that event, and uh, we have a wonderful display there. They give us really good area, and uh, we we do well out there every year. Sure. Now, if we take a step back from from what's happening, like for this next month almost, um, how did you like get into cars originally? What was it that sort of was the push and the driving force? We go all the way back, like those twenty two years ago. What was it that sort of pushed you into the automotive world? Well, my dad was in the car business I was okay. growing up. Um, he, he started at a very, very young age. I think he actually started working at 15. Um, uh, and um, he got me involved from day one. Um, I, I, I used to go to the showroom as a baby and uh, hang around the showroom. Um, and, and he would put me on a motorcycle when I was five years old. He'd put me on kick it in gear, and I would just run around the, the, the deal a lot. As long, couldn't put my feet down, but as long as I left it in one gear, I could Then you were okay. So you were essentially sort of trying to get cheap labor from the outset. Is that yeah, kind of you know, what it was? Yeah, and nothing has changed. I've got my kids working in the company. Um, you don't have to pay your children. It's not a requisite. I didn't, I, that's yeah. what I understood. You can use them as slave labor. And, I mean, and I thought do. that was just yeah. a given. Yeah. So, I didn't think there was any written laws against that. And, you know, they don't understand that. Every now and then they talk about salary, and I said, "Where did you guys even get that word in your vocabulary? It doesn't exist." I thought, yeah, yeah. I thought it was like a pay for trade <coughs> oh, yeah, deal. No, like no. You, we paid for you growing yeah, up. So this is I, just uh, that's what I said. I fed them not not a lot, but I fed them a little and enough to work. Yeah, enough to work, and that's all we should be. But yeah, my dad was in a dealer, and um, and and I started getting involved in that. And and in South Africa, I actually moved over to the salvage industry, to the accident damaged vehicle industry, and we became one of the largest salvage companies in South Africa. Uh, and that was under the name Hill Bank. And my father originally started Hill Bank on the hill next to the bank and called it Hill Bank. It's a clever name. Yeah. And it stuck with me when I came over to America. My wife and I, we looked at the first premises in Bristol Street in Costa Mesa. And we said, well, what are we going to call it? And we thought we'd 
you know, something fresh, something new. And we said, you know what, we, we couldn't go anywhere that doesn't have a Hillbank sign on it after so many years. And uh, so, yeah, we put Hillbank in. Hillbank came to America. And then, so when, <coughs> what year was that then? We came to America in 90, December 98. Okay. And, um, so it's almost, almost 20 years then. Almost 20 years. We were really excited, and we did become American citizens about four or five years ago. Okay. So really proud of that. You have uh, to give me tips on trying to ace the oh, test then. Oh, it is not easy. No, the, the citizenship part at the end was okay. The, the difficult part was trying to keep getting uh, work visas. I have a lot of sympathy for immigrants coming to this country it's very very difficult immigration uh, system is really tough uh, and lawyers immigration lawyers and well lawyers, very nice they very can sometimes expensive. be very expensive you know we were actually rejected three times after seven years we were told uh, we should go back um, we could leave a manager in charge of the company we don't need to be here and uh, unfortunately you know I was not I'm not the kind of guy who give up I'm always said I'm too dumb and stupid to give up and um, we just got a bigger lawyer, and that's all you did. And eventually, <laughs> more expensive you pay ones. more, in yeah. other words. Yeah. Yes. And uh, we, we, after seven years, we finally uh, got accepted for our green cards. And after the green card process, once you have that, the, the citizenship was actually pretty easy. Okay. It, it, was, it was amazing. But from green card, it, it's, it was pretty easy. And, um, yeah, we, we love it. We love America. It's just, just the greatest country to live in. And Southern California in particular is oh, yeah. not quite a bad place to be. No. Aside you know, from the traffic <clears> on the 405. You know, we started in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So I always say I'm a true southerner. Okay. Uh, come from South Africa and started in South, Car- South Carolina. Um, and first, now in Southern California. And I now mean, in we, Southern California. And, you the know, South is running through and through. The first thing we noticed, uh, my kids, when they went to school, they, they said, look, they love the school, but could we send them to an English school? They didn't quite understand the South Carolina, the North Carolina people. Sorry, it was North Carolina we started, not South Carolina. And, um, yeah, we've had a great time, traveled across America and ended up in, in, in Southern California. Sure. And so when you got here, obviously you were in the, the, the salvage business in South Africa. What was the change for when you had the business over here? In the, in- well, my idea was, and that's why we ended up in North Carolina, was a salvage pool that we intended buying. Okay. And, um, and when my paperwork, my immigration paperwork wasn't working out, I wasn't able to buy the business. And the longer we took, the, the guy that owned the business then realized we gave him some tips on how to run his business and how to change it. And, and it became, within six months, a lot more successful. And then he said, you know, Lance, you're a wonderful guy, but I really got to charge you more for the business. I've realized it's worth a whole lot more. <laughs> and we looked at that, and it didn't make sense to us. And my, my sure. wife wasn't that happy in North Carolina. And uh, we had traveled. We'd been in California before, and she did like California. We started looking at salvage businesses across the country, and the only other one I could find that we could afford was in Abilene, Texas. Okay. And my wife said, we are not living in Abilene, Texas. There's no ocean anywhere near here, and I got to live near an ocean. So we ended up in Southern California, looked at a salvage company there, and got real close to the purchase. And unfortunately, that deal fell through. Uh, some South African friends that I had spoken to were doing the Superformance Cobras. And they said to me, you know, we're really looking for a good dealer in Southern California. The dealer we have at the moment has let them down. And uh, would you handle that? And I said, look, I'm not really interested in doing Cobras. Definitely not. <clears throat> When everything else, the salvage wasn't working out, my wife said, well, let me do the Cobras, and you carry on trying to get the salvage started. And that's what happened. We started the showroom. She started the little showroom. And eventually, <laughs> I think she employed me or something like that. Anyhow, yeah, I was going to say, I how went, did that work out? Yeah, still... <laughs> yeah so I – So I, you're employee <laughs> number two yeah, right Yeah, employee number two there. All right. And don't worry. She told me I'm employee number two at Hillbank too because she <laughs> actually worked for my dad before I did. I had to do two years Army in South Africa. It was compulsory. Ah, so national and service? She, yeah, and she joined. We've actually known each other since we were 10 
years old. So it's about 54 years now. Married, 44 years. Married, um, 34 years. Anyhow, so... I'm glad you got that right. Yeah, I got that right uh, eventually. It's this wife. Let me trouble. think now. Yeah. Which wife was it? Yeah, that <laughs> wife. <laughs> Anyhow, and uh, yeah, so I got more involved in it. And then in 2004, the owner of Superformance, the owner of the factory who also owned Superformance in America, started talking to me about buying Superformance. He wanted to concentrate more on the manufacturing of cars and not worry about the distribution and the sales in America and have me take over that. And initially it was I was just going to buy the distribution. Um, and then it progressed, and he said, well, you might as well own the tooling, and you might as well own the intellectual property, and, and eventually it was by the whole company. Okay. And that's what happened, and we, we, we took over in 2005. And we had a wonderful two years, and then we had this wonderful American economy that took this massive dive. Yep. And I had never experienced anything like that. You know, I'd done business in South Africa for 20-plus years, and this was such a shocker for me. I'd never seen. How does business turn off? It just physically turned off our telephones were turned off our door would nobody walk through the door it was it was just such a shocker we were selling 500 units a year and we went to less than 80 by uh 2008 i think it was sure which is quite an incredible as yeah you say, no it, it it we we really struggled as i said if we could have afforded locks to put on the front doors we would have probably closed but we couldn't even afford locks we left the place open and just stood in and uh we were offering free cobras to anybody who would take one it's only that if only the memo had been passed along to <laughs> yeah, me then it yeah. could have helped you out it's there. just amazing but um thank goodness the economy turned and and economy is crazy for us at the moment it's really good and, so and so why is really good why would you say that is why do you think it's so good right now for you guys in particular well, aside from obviously producing a great product and having a great spokesperson like yourself and your <laughs> wife at the helm here yeah yeah you know we've just seen a big turnover since the government's changed um you know i i don't understand politics and i don't mean to know much about it but i i can tell you with the trump economy it's been incredible for us what's happened um and 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 it's got to have something to do with that okay and then so how many cars are you guys making now then a year we between three and four hundred a year, we're not quite back to where we were, um, but we've got some new models coming, and we've also got a great thing that's on the on the verge of finally happening for us. SEMA uh, have been helping us for years now with this low volume manufacturing. So yes, yeah, so that's what sort of is going to ask more about and see where. And that's you know, going. the act was passed. Obama actually signed the act in on his in his last year, and unfortunately, the EPA, NHTSA, National Road Transportation, uh, and um, have held up this, and but we're really getting close now. Um, SEMA have, have, have got involved and, and have done a lot for us. Stuart Goswine <coughs> and all the team from SEMA, excuse me, yeah, um, have, have they've slogged it out. And, and you know, you're dealing with EPA, CARB, uh, BAR, Bureau of Automotive Repair, these are all you know, tied up agencies, bureaucrats. Just you, you can't even the words don't describe how slow things move. Um, molasses or slow yeah, frozen yeah. molasses maybe and, and, I, and I you know you have to understand that you know they have they, they have to worry that everything is done properly and, and nobody wants to you know take the responsibility and, and finally say okay we're good we can go but it looks like it's getting closer all the regulations were written for the low volume manufacturer act it was all done and, and explained um, 
and they keep throwing the federal manufacturer's guidebook at us and saying we've got to meet that. And that's physically impossible when you when when the law was written for cars that are 25 years and older. You can't expect them to meet the current car standards. And, no, I mean it's a little bit common sense for the amount of cars we are allowed to build. We are allowed to build 325 a year. That is that is nothing. That doesn't even register. And we can see at least half of those being exported. This bill will will help us with exports a lot. Um, because if we have a federal VIN number on our cars, it opens us up to a lot of the overseas markets that we're not open to at the moment. So it'll be a great thing. It's a great job creation bill, and it's a great thing for, for factories, companies, small businesses to grow in America. And so, we all know that's the backbone of the country. Sure, of course. Um, so <coughs> is, the, is the 325, is that per different Per car? manufacturer. Oh, okay. Per manufacturer. That's all we're allowed to do for the first, I would imagine, for the first couple of years. Now, obviously, this, is, this, this will develop. And, and we, most of us will slowly – we, we could all become car companies in the future. The whole idea is that you will slowly add more and more to your cars, and as you make a little more money and you grow, you, we'll be – Superformance definitely wants to become a, a motor manufacturer, a car manufacturer in the future, a federalized manufacturer. That is our plan. And this is our way in. For us to try and just come out straight away with a federalized car is more millions than we can ever imagine. I might even get to a billion or something yeah. possibly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't oh, imagine yeah. it's a cheap prospect no. to uh, I think federalize and build a car. <laughs> I think Tesla could attest to that, and he could probably tell us a little more. And he came out with an electric car, which had a whole lot less to be, you know, no emissions, put it this way. And that's a big part of it. Sure. So when we talk about uh, Superformance and the cars that you guys currently make, I mean, it started with the Cobras, right? And then how did it move into the other different era, the other cars that you well, produce the, now? Well, the idea behind Superformance started with the Cobra. And way back in the beginning, uh, Jim Price, the owner that started Superformance from a factory called High Tech in South Africa, he actually had gone to speak to Carol and, and, and try to get through to Carol and say that we would like to do a licensed vehicle. We'd like to do a license with him. And at the time, Carol didn't accept that. Um, but, you know, after a couple of years of producing, we were approximately six. 600 vehicles at the time, uh, we, we, Carol launched a lawsuit against us, and that went on for four years. Thank goodness we settled it, and we've been a licensee of Shelby's for approximately 13 years now. Um, and we've had a wonderful relationship with Shelby. It's been a, it's been a good thing for our company. So we, we based our company around being licensed by everybody who cars we replicate. And so the GT40 is an original GT40 now with P-series numbers licensed by Sapa who control the mark. Our Corvette Grand Sport took me eight years of visiting GM and GM people until I met the right person and we got the license for the Grand Sport. Um, the, we have just had a very exciting development. We've been licensed by Ford to produce the GR1. So that'll be the Ford Shelby GR1. And if you look that up on the internet, very beautiful car that they had as a concept in 04 and 05 <coughs> and uh, we have future projects for, for Superformance with the other manufacturers out there um, for one Porsche we intend talking to them in the future about a car Sorry, so that's the, the I just thought you'd like leaving us on a cliff edge. There. Yeah, yeah. No, the, 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 there's more exciting stuff to come. We have other GM products that we're looking at also um, and uh, you know, you just never know. There's, there's, there's unbelievable Toyotas, as you know, the, the, the little Toyota sports car from way back, the Supra and stuff like that. Um, these are cars that, 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 that people, even the young generation, are starting to look at and saying, I'd love something cool in my garage. And, and that's what we're looking at. Now, the difficult question I'm going to ask you, this is probably going to be the difficult, the hardest question I'm going to ask you all day today is which of your cars that you make and create is your favorite one to drive? 
You know, this question has been asked a lot, so it's actually easy for me to answer. Um, and, I, and, I, and I pause here. Um, when you say it's easy, <coughs> then you're like, oh. It's easy. It sounds like it's not, actually. But look, naturally, the Cobra I've grown to love. I was not a Ford crazy guy when I mm-hmm. came to America. I was originally a Chevy guy. Um, of course, I owned a lot of Porsches in South Africa, and it was more about the Porsche. Um, but I loved the Chevs, and I had Corvettes in South Africa. They were more common. Cobras, there were only about two or three in South Africa, and they were way out of my price class. Um, but grew to love the Cobras and the GTs and all that. And I always say for an, a day on PCH, driving down the Pacific Coast Highway, nothing beats a Cobra. It's just the most fun you could have. My only advice would be, obviously, that you wear a hat. Uh, yeah, I've had a little cancer cut out of my head already from too so, much uh, sun uh, over the years. And maybe a, a bandana that you can put yeah, around your neck yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. And, um, and then, then, of course, I've done many trips to Monterey for Monterey Car Week, and I've done them up the one with the GT40. Uh, nothing beats the GT40 on that road. It just handles. It feels incredible. You feel invincible. It's just a wonderful car to, to take through those windy roads. It's just it's, you just know why that car won Lamar four years in a row in the hands of guys like Dan Gurney and Jackie X and, and, and Bob Bondurant and all these famous guys that drove them. Um, and then the Daytona is the, my wife's personal favorite because it has luggage room. So And the, and the Daytona, designed by Pete Brock, he just did an incredible job of that car. Uh, you've got luggage room. It's comfortable. It's a gentleman's tourer. You can. The longest trip we ever did was all the way from Bale, Colorado, back to Orange County one year. We did that in one day, my wife and I, and it was through the heat of the summer. It's 117 through the U, through Utah. Oof. It's just a great car. The air conditioning works well, and you can do long trips in it. So that's where that fits in. But my love for the Corvettes and the, and the Grand Sport, when you go down the road in the Grand Sport, it's such a unique car. There were only five originals. That's all there were. So people realize it's a Corvette, but it's just such a unique-looking Corvette. And, and from GM, the powertrains that we get, they just uh, GM Crate Engines has incredible engines. So you get the modern car power. We have as much as 750 horsepower in one of our LT1 supercharged LT4 supercharged Corvettes. Um, so the Corvettes a lot. And of course, you know, as Carol always said, my next favorite car will be the next one. And that's got to be the GR1. Really looking forward to that. So I like that you're a good salesman and that you've sold us on all of the cars that you produce at this point. So I think that's, we, I mean. We're running your credit card as you speak. Don't worry about it. It okay. will be fine. 60 back breaking installments. That's all it takes. That Look, that, that works for me. But so. What about uh, the th- what about say smiles per miles? Though? Which are the cars that you've seen that get the most thumbs up with though when you're driving them? Um, you know, it's probably still the Cobra. The yeah. Cobra is just incredible. Um, you know, I can give you a little Ferrari story, and the Ferrari guys hate this, but we we arrived at the old um, cars and coffee in Irvine at Ford. <clears throat> a whole lot of us pulled in with our Cobras, parked on the one side, and this this the, about four or five Cobra. Uh, Ferrari came driving in, and this one older guy, he'd obviously got himself, what a beautiful little bunny. She was the cutest little thing in a little bikini short kind of outfit, bare midriff. She had very little clothing. She saved money on clothing, and she came bouncing out this Ferrari when she saw the Cobra. She, I don't think she opened the door. She sort of bounced out the car, and she came running up to Cobra. She'd obviously never seen a Cobra before, and she looked at it, and she pointed at her boyfriend, and she said, you've got to get a cool car like this. 
<laughs> well, I tell you what, he turned around, absolutely ignored her. His friends just laughed. They just burst out laughing because he'd obviously just got, got this young girlfriend and uh, she really made him look stupid <laughs> that day. And and then is it true that with the – I always like to think that when if you can put the, the $100 bill on the windscreen, is that still a true it's, thing where you can put the full story of – It's very, very true, and we, we, we're welcome to do that later this afternoon. Oh, no, I, I'm looking forward to trying yeah. that then. Yeah. And then so <coughs> what else have you guys got then? A post – obviously, you've got your open house here, and then Seema, what else have you guys got cooking for the future then? Well, we've, we have launched, of course, the Bondurant edition, Cobra and, and Daytona, and Bob won the world championship. He would have won the world championship in – in 1964 also if uh, Ferrari didn't get the last two rounds of the championship cancelled because Carroll was coming to the last two races with six Daytonas and up until then he was leading the, he was going to lead the championship so uh, but anyhow Bob raced a very special 289 FIA car in, in a Viking blue colour in 64 and, and won most of the races and then the same car was painted Guardsman and the number was changed from number 3 to number 12, gone blank there for a second, um, and, and raced in 65, did all the, the American races in the FIA, and then the Daytonas went to Europe, and of course won the World Championship. So we bought out a special edition commemorating Bob's wins, and that's a, another special edition that's going on at the moment with us. And then, so how many cars, is it a limited run of cars, or is it just... Yes, many? we're only doing 50 of them in total. Okay. Yeah, to commemorate his 50th year of the school. I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's rather clever. Yeah. And then, so, <coughs> what? aside from, obviously, your work here with the cars, what are you doing with uh, your cars that you to enjoy them yourselves? I mean, where would you suggest some of the good roads are around here in Southern California that people try and enjoy? Or what are your favorite drives, I should say? You know, favorite drive, probably right here is Ortega Highway. We really like Ortega Highway. Um, I and just, that's obviously where you just stick to the speed limit? Oh, yes. You just oh, yes. go straight? Maybe you accelerate quickly? We only go 55 mile an hour. That's All right. It. Um, and Ortega Highway is great. It's just a wonderful road. I mean, you get a lot of motorcyclists, so you've got to be careful. And I'm a motorcyclist myself, so I do know how to think like them, and I know where they cut corners to try and get around the corners a little faster. So you, you've got to plan that. you really got to drive for the other person on the road when you're on the road. Um, but uh, Ortega Highway is cool. And, of course, if you go up towards Mulholland Drive and all the wonderful roads up that way, uh, Highway 46, uh, 76, uh, 76 down by us, um, 74 down by us, um, and and I have had the pleasure of also driving all the way to Colorado in our cars. We took a, we had a massive event for all the super performance owners. There were about 200 Cobras that went to Colorado, and we did we went to Pikes Peak, we the top of Pikes Peak, and uh, Mount Evans, the, the tallest, highest paved road in the U.S. And that was fun. I have pictures of my Daytona right at the top, and that was really cool. Um, and we've also done a lot of riding in Indiana. The back roads of Indiana, stunning. Just can't. America's a beautiful country to tour. And uh, if, you, if you get to drive some of the roads, they're amazing. And it's obviously better if you get to drive one of your Superformance vehicles, right? That's the way I see it. And, and, and I can announce, you can have a look out, there will be a Superformance Cobra available on the, the Turo. It's T-U-R-O. Okay. Car rental app. Have a look up Turo. Turo.com. Um, we had one available, but unfortunately it sold. The oh, first, the first, there you go. See, yeah, it was so good, the first someone person, must have purchased it. The first person that rented it bought it. <laughs> and so that, that worked out for us. So we, 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 we're getting another one prepped for the, for the app. Uh, so it will be on Turo. Well, so, that's good then. Yeah. And then obviously you've spoken a little bit about SEMA, but tell me why SEMA uh, is important to you and why you think it's important for the automotive uh, business, I should say, as a whole, being as it is, what, the largest 
exhibition at yes. Las Vegas now? Yeah, it's the largest e exhibition of aftermarket automobile products in the world. Um, without SEMA, my business wouldn't be possible. Uh, you know, they would have closed us down by now. SEMA looks after the industry. It looks after a multi, multi, multi-billion dollar industry. Um, we have had... Uh, people trying to close down parts of our industry, tried really hard to get laws passed. Um, uh, EPA had some guy in it that did something, and next thing we looked, they wanted to get rid of all race cars. Uh, you know, we, That's not we, ideal. Yeah, yeah uh, you, know, you wouldn't be able to put any aftermarket part. If you bought a car new, you wouldn't be able to change the exhaust, the tires, it had to be everything the same. Um, uh, and you couldn't take a street car and ever convert it into a race car only. You weren't allowed to do that either. So that was, and that's, and that's the RPM Act. If you could look up that and people could go and support us on RPM, it, it would close companies that are household names that go back, some of them close to 100 years, but companies like Edelbrock, uh, Magnaflow, Baller, um, the list goes on. Those big companies were all closed, they would have, and thousands of employees would have been out of business. And all the companies that support them, it's just massive what they tried to close. But SEMA look after us. They, they, they're in Washington. Um, they have a daily fight, call it a fight, but call, call it petitioning and, and, and lobbying on our behalf to keep the auto industry alive. Well, that's good. And then what do you think, as, for example, as an experience itself, the show itself? I mean, because obviously you and I are very lucky and yeah. we get to go there and we i mean it is work as well but it yeah. is also it's it's i mean the size of it's it's an experience it's mind-blowing um you know i think somebody at once told me it's approximately 14 miles of aisles of displays so there's nothing like it you you can't do it in one day you really need three the four days that, it, that the show is on um you will see every type of vehicle it is it, you know customized to its maximum and and the best it could ever be every type over and over examples more and more examples um we naturally have the the drift cars out front with ford we have been for many years and really appreciate ford's support in that and and we have such a fun time out there to see the people's faces when you take them in a car and and you know just do donuts and burnouts all this kind of stuff you, that's illegal on the road but you can do in a controlled environment and and people get to experience that and then they what's and what are the, how many horsepower are you going to be producing on those burnout cars this year? Well, the one Cobra we have um, with nitrous and um, and race gas will make 1,500 horsepower. So you're saying that's like yeah. the perfect grocery yeah. getter? Per perfect grocery getter. And the car weighs 2,350 pounds. Um, it and it's based on a on a Ford Coyote, the Mustang Coyote engine, and it's a convertible, so it's unlimited space. You stack yeah. up with the groceries, <laughs> right? There you go. Yeah, there you go. And uh, then we run a traditional Coyote engine with a baller eight stack fuel injection. That's the the other car we run. And then I always run a stock Superformance, so people can understand exactly as it comes from the showroom. There'll be one of those. And I will be honest, the modified ones tend to have a little few issues during that week. I can't imagine. Standard that a, a fifteen hundred horsepower yeah. car would have any issues whatsoever. <laughs> you know, we'll we'll find it'll break certain parts, <laughs> but the the standard Superformance car will run that whole week. We'll clean it up, dust it off, and somebody ends up buying it after the show. Look, somebody that go. went in it always wants that car. And then, so have you got any tips for anyone that attending SEMA then for the first time? Yeah, comfortable shoes. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. That's the main thing, and a lot of water. But um, yeah, and lip balm. I always yeah, think lip yeah. balm's important. You know, you're so true. I've got one in my pocket always when I'm at SEMA. See, yeah. this is good. Yeah. But, but Lance, but speaking of that, then if people are wanting to come and either look at the products, where's the best place to connect with you here physically, and then 
online? What's the best way to reach okay. out to you guys? Well, NatchySuperformance.com, www.superformance.com. You can also go to ShelbyLegendaryCars.com. And, of course, HillBankUSA.com. Um, at SEMA, we'll be out front with Ford in the Ford display. Uh, we'll be in Magnaflow's booth. We'll be in Lingerfelder's booth. And one other not to be announced yet, uh, a little bit later, possibly. Um, and, and, of course, we'll have cars at Shelby. If you go to Shelby American, uh, you can look them up on the website. They have a wonderful building in Vegas where they have the Shelby, part of the Shelby Museum and, you, and a great Shelby store. And, of course, all the Shelby products from the latest Mustangs to the latest. They're doing such exciting vehicles at the moment, 1,000-horsepower Raptors and, and Mustangs. And uh, Gary Patterson, who heads up Shelby now, has done a wonderful job with the company. It's, it's really transformed. You'll be very impressed. And he's got Vince with him and a good team that work on that side. Shelby, Shelby is, is, is really going forward in the future. And we, we, we say it proud because, I mean, Carol Shelby has got to be an American hero in my eyes. You know, who's more well-known when it comes to cars? Enzo Ferrari and Carol Shelby. Yeah, they're like the two And best. Henry Ford. Yeah. Those are the guys. Well, Lance, it's been an absolute pleasure yeah. having you on the show again, and I appreciate that. Um, but I would say that if anyone's got any questions, they can always reach us at nobreaking.com, which is N-O-B-R-K-I-N-G, at nobreaking on Facebook and nobreaking on Instagram. Lance, thanks again. It's been a pleasure. And I look forward to going have a look downstairs now and seeing what I can try and sit in if I get a chance. Thanks very much. Andrew. All right. Thank bye-bye. You. Bye.